number two, the Pete Callender Show here on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers, as always, 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the com and uh, follow me on Twitter at Pete Callender. We're discussing the... Uh, uh, the effort to send unauthorized immigrants to sanctuary cities, which has sparked outrage from the sanctuary cities, which is weird because they build themselves as sanctuary cities, which I thought meant that you get sanctuary if you get there. But apparently that was just branding. That was just messaging. It was just trying to position themselves as morally superior, I guess. Look, Martha's Vineyard, uh, where 50 Venezuelans were transported to yesterday by the state of Florida. Now, ask yourself, by the way, how the Venezuelans got to Florida. Where, where did they, how did that happen? Why is Florida sending them there? Ah, ah, they got sent to Florida from where they crossed the border. And so Florida said, okay, we're going to send them to Martha's Vineyard. And outrage has ensued. But also you got people like, oh, look at us. We're, you know, springing to action. We're providing shelter and clothing and food and and, and, and for the for the migrants, good, good, as you should, right? As you should, that because that's what a sanctuary city would do, right? Also, that's what the border states have been doing too. The problem is there are so many of the migrants, of the asylum seekers at the border, that they're overwhelmed and they can't handle it anymore. And even the federal government recognizes this, right? Even the Biden administration recognizes this to some degree because that's why they're sending them from the border states to other states. But they're sending them to Republican places. Now, I wonder why that is. Why wouldn't you send them to Martha's Vineyard? Very wealthy, right? President Obama's got like a mansion there. It's got like eight bedrooms. I mean, you could put up at least eight families there. Put somebody on the couch in the living room, there's nine. That's like the whole plane load almost. All right, I generally don't do this, but I'm your Huckleberry. Hello, Ian. Welcome to the program. Ian, hello. Hey, thank you for making an exception, sir. Yeah, I usually try to keep the callers on uh, on topic. Otherwise, uh, I mean, because, like, look, if you guys bring up subjects that are terrible subjects and then my ratings tank and then I'm off the air. So like I'm vested, you guys, not so much. So that's why I try to keep people on topic, but uh, you've been waiting for a while. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll indulge. Okay. So what's up? I just wanted to say that I was in the mall at the time of the shooting on August 31st. And I had in Concord uh, mills. You're talking about this local. Uh, yes, at Concord Mills Mall, the shooting on August 31st. Okay. And I did some research after the shooting to figure out exactly what happened, because at the time, when you're in the mall, you don't really know the circumstances that led up to it. So mm-hmm. I didn't know it was a shootout between the men and the police. So for all I knew, it was really, mm-hmm. could have been a Columbine sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Sure. But then I heard it was a man who was already on probation. He had... Uh, charge of having an unlicensed firearm, which is its own separate deal, obviously. But he had stolen the firearm from a woman's car. And there is absolutely no change in my pro-Second Amendment beliefs because there is no law in the world that could have prevented that from happening. 
None whatsoever. No, yeah, well, I mean, because so, he already broke I the laws in order to get the gun. The Second Amendment. Yeah. All right, Ian, I appreciate the call, sir. All right, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I, the, the, criminals don't obey laws. That's the that's the headline. I appreciate the the background on the on the story because yeah, after we kind of got the details on it, it kind of faded from the uh, from the headlines. Thank you, Ian. I appreciated the phone number seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. The email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show dot com. Here's uh, one such email. Uh, Pete, it is not only illegals. I wonder how many Black Lives Matter riots happened on Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> yeah, how many riots on did they have on the island at the vineyard? This is a this is the Bolshevik way. Anyone not a party leader has to live in the dystopia they create, but not them. Yeah, that's I mean that is always the hallmark of the communist or socialist utopia. Right? There's always it's Elysium basically where you have the the one class of the very wealthy and you have the one class of the very poor and the wealthy get access to the special stores, the black market stuff, right? They get all of that access. Because, you know, they have to keep their strength up. Well, here's a great example. Remember, um, uh, speaking of Venezuela, uh, Nicolas Maduro, the president of uh, Venezuela. And he was doing, as all of these communist strongmen do, uh, like a 17-hour speech. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a 17-hour speech from Biden? Not that I would watch the whole thing, although they would probably monitor us to make sure we were. But I would, um, I would just like to tune in about, you know, after he kind of like got got tired. So I wouldn't watch the beginning because you know he'd be probably amped up, juiced up, ready to go at the beginning. You would want to join that at some point later when he starts kind of slowing down. So like maybe, you know, twenty minutes in, thirty minutes in, something like that, and and then just watch or like dip in and out every hour or so and just just see oh hey they you know they juiced them up again with some uh <laughs> IVs what what did you think I was going to say IV no i was look i have long maintained i that uh that presidents get some sort of cocktail IV stuff there's no way people are able to uh to operate uh with that much energy and clarity of thought, be able to give all the speeches while they, you know, run all around and have all these meetings and be that sharp all the time. I just, I cannot believe that to be completely natural. I think they've got to be getting some IVs of just regular, you know, just vitamins and that sort of thing. I mean, think about the schedules these people keep. Well, okay, yes, except for Biden, because that guy, he apparently, his schedule's pretty light. <laughs> so, uh, this from Timothy Narazi and Tyler Olson at Fox. Two migrant buses. Oh, my gosh. Hang on a second. Wait a minute. So now we got not only do we have not only do we have unauthorized immigrants coming across the border. Now we've got migrant buses. Who's letting the buses in? We already have enough buses. Buses are already doing the work that American buses don't want to do. Why are we? Two migrant buses from Del Rio, Texas, arrived near Vice President Kamala Harris's residence at the Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C. this morning. This is the best story ever. Between 75 and 100 people who got picked up in Eagle Pass, Texas, were sent by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. The group includes migrants from Venezuela, Uruguay, Colombia, 
and Mexico, or Mexico. Multiple migrants asked by Fox News Digital said they think the border is open. Contrary to what Kamala Harris said on Sunday during an interview. This is great. This is what I said at the, at the start of the show, right? The old axiom is sometimes, right, the right thing to do is the right policy and vice versa. Well, sometimes the right policy is trolling. Sometimes the trolling is the right thing to do, and that is what they are doing to, the, uh, to these people, to these elected officials. They're being trolled. And, they're being, and these officials now are being forced to confront the problem of their making that they have denied as a problem. And they've offloaded the responsibility to deal with that problem to others. And now those others are saying, okay, you can help us now. And they're sending these people to the home of the vice president, the Naval Observatory. They just dropped them off at the front door. Here you go. Oh, but we're not prepared to take care of it. Oh, and and, and what? These t- El Paso is is able to take care of 10,000 people a day or a week? It's not. These towns are not. And it highlights the fact that Kamala Harris, who was put in charge of fixing the border problem, has failed miserably. Which actually is a credential in Democratic Party circles. <laughs> Eleven ten, ninety nine three WBT. Pete Callender here. Washington D.C.'s Mayor Muriel Bowser declared a public emergency last week over the buses of migrants' continued arrival into that city from Texas and Arizona. Bowser's emergency declaration will set aside funding to accommodate migrants as well as create the Office of Migrant Services, the OMS, or as I like to call it, the OMS. It'll be tasked with providing temporary accommodations, urgent medical needs, transportation, and other services for migrants, which is weird. If you're a sanctuary city, why didn't you already have that set up? Brianne Nadeau, 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 whatever. Anyway, she's a member of the Council of the District of Columbia. She blamed the governors of Texas and Arizona for the city's public migrant emergency. Speaking in a situational update on migrant support alongside the mayor, she said that the city systems were not set up to serve the migrants that continue to arrive in the city from the southern states. Quote, so it's been said, but it's worth reiterating that the governors of Texas and Arizona have created this crisis. Really? So you're saying the the states of Arizona and Texas and specifically the governors of those states that they control federal immigration policy? Well, that's news to me, and it may be news to them, too. I suspect they might want to change the federal policy. Just spitballing on that one. Let me go over here to Susie. Hello, Susie. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hi. Hey. I was just, the question was this. If if there are two representatives for every state, why do we not split the cost of the immigration by 50 because it's just not a Texas border; it's the United States border. Uh, uh, mean, all right, we have well, we have two U.S. senators per state. We have some yes, state. We do, and so therefore, why don't we 
split it and say, okay, every state gets two. So therefore, we've got 50 states. The immigration problem, which we don't have, according to the Kamala Harris, right. why don't we just simply say, okay, there are 50, 50 states, so we're going to split the cost 50, and every state can pick up their share. Uh, well, I mean, we do, uh, because you have states that have very low populations, they would not be able to afford the cost like California could, for example. It's the same reason, like in you know Mecklenburg County, they can raise their property tax rate by one penny, and it'll generate you know millions and millions of dollars. Uh, out in you know Anson County, uh, a one penny increase is not going to generate nearly that kind of money. So it's just it, there's because there are not as there's not as many people, and there's not as much investment, and so they don't do the they don't break down the taxes and the allocations based on uh, a fifty way split they they usually base it on population yes i understand that but the thing is this there's an election coming up so why don't we hold these people and put their feet to the fire because if they're going to vote and say well it's texas's problem no it's not it's the united states problem so take them out of office if they're not going up okay right look this is this is why i am completely on board with this project with this idea that what the uh state of texas and arizona and now florida what they're doing this is this is a consistent application of the left's standards, right? So I'm on. Uh, yes, absolutely. Send people to the cities that claim they want to take them. And now we're seeing this outrage, which indicates to me that they were lying all this time about being a sanctuary city. They they, they were just signaling that we're better than all these other places uh, because we don't have to pay for it. We don't have we, we don't have the kinds of problems that El Paso is having and Texas is having and Arizona is having. We don't have we don't have those problems. So it was very yeah, convenient. But you for still them. bear in mind that you've got these people standing on their laurels. The people that make the decision are the senators and the representatives. Yeah. So make them stand by. I mean, that's the same thing as I think I've heard you guys on the radio say. Make them say where they stand yes. on abortion. Make them say where they stand. Make them put their money where their mouth is. And if uh, they can't back it up, get rid of them. Right. No, I, I agree. I th- and that's what I think that's what the project is doing. That's what this is doing. Got a tweet at Pete Callender from <laughs> from a Twitter account named my friend Ray Cooper. <laughs> That's the governor. The left, he says, the left, or she, the left, by letting people who enter illegally stay and encouraging more, have been using migrants as pawns for years. Their outrage over this is fake. They're just salty because they no longer have a monopoly on it. And that someone else did it better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let me go over here. This is Cheryl. Hello, Cheryl. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, yes. How are you today? Good. Good. Uh, let me just say that, uh, how did Martha's Vineyard get into the mix? How did Martha's Vineyard get into the mix? Right. Uh, I believe uh, Governor Ron DeSantis said he would send them to Martha's Vineyard because that's where all of the wealthy lefties uh, vacation. That's because that's where Obama has a house. He also has a house True. in Hawaii on a mountain. Yeah. So you guys are, are really being stupid. Okay. Why, wait, wait. Why am I being stupid? Obama's still living rent-free in you guys' head, and you know it. I have Have literally... Have a great day, dear. So, Cheryl, you're a coward, Cheryl. Such a coward. You ever notice, like, you you get a real good glimpse into their 
mind with fo- why can't I put that on hold um, into their mindset there where they want to just lecture to me and then they they make a statement that Obama's living rent free in in my mind. How many times have I mentioned Barack Obama throughout the hour and a half we've been covering this? The answer is zero, zero. But to her, everything is code for Obama or I guess the first black president or something like that, right? I guess it's everything is code because, you know, dog whistling and all of that, which, by the way, if you hear the dog whistle, that makes you the dog, right? Martha's Vineyard was identified as a place by the governor of Florida a couple of weeks ago, as I understand it. He made a he he, uh, referenced Martha's Vineyard because you have all of these really, really wealthy lefties that live and vacation on Martha's Vineyard. And yes, Obama is one of them. See, so when I say the whole group, and then she just hears whole group wealthy leftists, and she thinks Obama. But she also says he has a place in Hawaii. I think he also has a place in Chicago, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he made a lot of money while being president. Um, but don't don't worry yourself in, as to how that happened. Oh, it's from the book. That's all, just from the book. Um so he's, as I understand, he had a place in Chicago. I think and I, I would believe, Cheryl, that if he still has a place in Hawaii. But you know what, Cheryl? Because I'm all about solutions and I am a giver. Let's give Hawaii a couple of bus loads, too. Or, I guess, plane loads, because you can't really get the bus there. But I'm fine with sending a whole bunch to Hawaii. Absolutely. They dumped a, a, a couple bus loads at the Naval Observatory as well. That's the vice president's residence. Kamala Harris, you know, you want to send some to her house in California? Your terms are acceptable. Okay, I agree. Let's do that, too. Obama doesn't live rent-free, in not in my mind, and I don't know why. And I wonder, who's she calling you people? What's up with that? Kind of racisty, Cheryl. Why are you mad that sanctuary cities are getting immigrants that they say they wanted to provide sanctuary for see but cheryl doesn't want to actually have to debate any of this she doesn't want to actually talk about it she doesn't have the courage of her convictions she just wants to just vomit out onto the radio say what she wants to say and not have any pushback this is why i say unchallenged ideas are easy to hold right she just throws it out there and does not allow for herself to be challenged because she doesn't, it creates, and this is a thing, it creates cognitive dissonance. It's uncomfortable in the brain. It's uncomfortable when a thing that you believe to be so is then countered with other evidence and you don't know what to do. Your brain starts literally shutting down thought, right? Like you can't figure out what is happening. And so uh, I understand why it is the, it's the easy escape hatch uh, to jump through. I totally get it. I totally get it. But, you know, I'm on the air here three hours a day. I'm on Twitter far too much. Um, if ever you are interested in having that discussion, that debate, I'm your Huckleberry. You can call in, Cheryl, and we can have a discussion. I was going to treat you as I treat all callers, I think, with the utmost respect. I uh, attempt to have thoughtful dialogue, but be aware, I engage with people as they choose to engage with me. And so if you choose to call in and be a jackass, well, I'm going to be able to reciprocate that too. Because that's obviously your comfort zone, right? 
That's how you're choosing to interact with me. So then I assume you would prefer that all people interact with you in the same manner. Right? That's a consistent application of a standard. Uh, let me go over here. Who's up next? This is Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey there, Pete. Hey, what's I up? Mean, they can really sweeten this, but, you know, initially when they, uh, the, the Texas governor started doing it, I didn't think much of it, but evidently it's starting to get under people's skin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I said. I mean, it's a, it is, is absolutely a troll job. They are trolling these other states. Sure. But it's also highlighting, just like with Lindsey Graham's abortion bill, it's highlighting the lunacy and the inconsistency, the hypocrisy, and dare I say it, the racism and xenophobia that is at the heart of a lot of this outrage. Exactly. And, you know, you know I'm, I, I live in South Carolina, so I'm thinking, you know, when they pull an illegal over and, and you know, you know, he can get a free trip to New York City. <laughs> well, th- right. That's the thing. Like, a lot of these NGOs are asking people where they would like to go and then providing them transportation. So why wouldn't we be celebrating that? Can we get James exactly. Taylor? Right. Can we get James Taylor to start singing some songs uh, about the cele- uh, for a celebration of free rides to Martha's Vineyard? Why? Well, you know, what? Why not? I think that's uh, I think that's totally called for. Jimmy, I appreciate your call, sir. Thanks so much. From Jimmy to Jim, let's go over here to line one. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. Hey. I, I like that lady's idea about Hawaii. Yeah. For some of the immigrants. It's a paradise. I'm talking about illegal immigrants. Sure, but I mean, who wouldn't want to go to... I would. Hey, you know what? I'm thinking maybe I go and cross the border illegally, don't tell them who I am, and then maybe I can get a free trip to Hawaii. Well, they need a vacation spot other than Martha's Vineyard. Right. So on the other side of the country, we can, you know, they can go to Hawaii. Right. What if Martha's Vineyard's too cold, right? Like, what if I don't want to go to Massachusetts? Because, you know, it's Massachusetts, right? Who wants to go there? And so let's go to Hawaii instead. But, Pete, I have two other comments that I just noticed. One that you probably know a good bit about. Asheville has gotten the top 10% of uh, high-rising or crime districts in the country. Uh, has, the, has the what? Well, it, it, if I read the headline, it was just yesterday correctly, they, have, or they are now in the top 10% of a rising crime. Oh, yes. Nationwide. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I have the story, and I actually have a message from a, a friend of mine who uh, lives in Asheville, uh, with his personal experiences over the last six weeks, and uh, it's a it's pretty amazing. And then one other comment, Pete, uh, a hedge fund guy, the wealthiest guy in Chicago, maybe Illinois, twenty two billion, I think, has left Illinois, hmm. uh, Chicago. He's going to Florida, <laughs> but but Pete, it wasn't about taxes. He said the main reason was crime. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a pretty um, uh, interesting uh, headline right now. Yeah. Yeah, it does make you wonder why all uh, so many, I shouldn't say all, but so many of these cities that are run by you know, one particular party, in this case the Democrat Party, why do so many of these cities have such a problem with crime? 
Maybe somebody well, could take a look at that. There's like a common theme here. What is it? Can anybody figure it out? I don't know. Well, well, Pete, I just read on the Asheville News yesterday that either the Sheriff's Department or the Police Department can't keep people hired anymore yeah. because of um, the politics yeah there that's been going on well since 2020 it was brewing long before the uh the uh the summer of love protests i'm gonna get in that's next hour i'm gonna get into all of this next hour because i know i I saw it firsthand the slide towards lawlessness was occurring long before the summer of love in 2020 but um uh but it has gotten it has gotten really really bad there jim i do appreciate the call sir thanks so much uh and uh, Cheryl, uh, again, phone lines open if you want to call back and resume the conversation that uh, I know you were so eagerly uh, interested in having. It is pretty amazing how many folks on the left apparently now are just realizing. What cities on the southern border have been dealing with literally for years, for years, you guys got one or two busloads of like 50 to 100 people and you are freaking out. And these towns on the border have been getting hundreds or thousands a day, a day. And now you become aware of it because because 50 Venezuelans landed in uh, Martha's Vineyard. Or on Martha's Vineyard. On? In? Anyway. Email here from uh, Joe talking about caller Cheryl. Cheryl talks about you people being obsessed with Obama, and I guarantee the first and last thought in her deranged mind every single day is Donald Trump. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought that too, but I mean, that's... Why... why I did not want, you know, what's the old uh, adage in uh, in lawyering? You never ask a question you don't know the answer to. And so if you make that you make that assertion, she says, no, I don't, or whatever, and I can't prove it. And then you fight about that and it doesn't stay on topic. It didn't keep us focused on what exactly, you know, the premise of her assertion, which was that what? Well, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of insane and illogical, but uh, I think the premise was something like uh, the only reason that they sent the bus to Martha's Vineyard was because Obama has a mansion there. I did mention Obama because I mentioned his mansion and I said he had like eight rooms and I said he could put like eight people, eight families up in the, in that house. What's wrong? Why is he not Christian? Isn't that, I mean, I've been learning a lot today from leftists on Twitter about what Christianity requires of people. It's pretty amazing. It is. They know a lot about Christianity. It's crazy. So, uh, yeah, I would think Obama talks about, like, he went to that church, right, with Reverend Wright and all of that. And so I know he, he, he went to Christian church. So isn't he compelled to, to help people? I mean, he's got this empty house. It's just it's a summer place. He's not even living there for most of the time. Anyway, I'm just looking for solutions. Washington, D.C., they're now freaking out because they're getting, uh, they're getting unauthorized immigrants dropped off inside their city limits from Texas because Texas says we are overwhelmed. We, we, we don't know what else to do. And also these are your policies. You guys defend this stuff. You're a sanctuary city here. Take some folks. They need sanctuary. That's what being a sanctuary city is supposed to be about. 
The mayor of D.C. has twice requested that the National Guard be activated to assist with the thousands of migrants arriving in the nation's capital. Both requests have been denied by the Pentagon. See, because states get to call up their own National Guard, but the, but the District of Columbia does not. So they got to go to the Pentagon. The Pentagon's like, no. Oh, really? I'm so, here's my shocked face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let me get this straight. The feds are not interested in helping a local jurisdiction deal with deal with a, a, a massive amount of illegal immigration that's overwhelming your local services. My gosh, that sounds newsworthy. I've never heard of such a thing happening. New York City Mayor Eric Adams said shelters are at the breaking point after Texas bust nearly 11,000 migrants to that sanctuary city. In a statement yesterday, Adams expressed frustration over Texas Governor Greg Abbott's busing policy that is inundated. By the way, we have finally found a busing policy Democrats oppose. Anyway, um, is inundated the Big Apple with thousands of migrants and left a group of 60 without access to a shelter on Monday. Quote, in this new and unforeseen reality, where we expect thousands more to arrive every week going forward, the city system is nearing its breaking point. As a result, the city's prior practices, which never contemplated the busing of thousands of people into New York City, must be reassessed. Oh, interesting. So you don't know how many people are coming. Your services are already stretched thin. You don't know how you're going to be able to pay for it all. So now you're going to have to reassess spending and allocation of resources and manpower and that sort of thing. Hmm. Oh, that's terrible. Man, I guess you're like the only place in America dealing with something like this, right? In response... To this statement from the mayor, the city's legal aid, right, the nonprofit legal aid, they're like, while we understand and appreciate the demands that the city faces, the law is clear. Anyone in need of shelter, including asylum seekers, is entitled to such in New York City. Yeah, see, New York City has a policy that everyone has to have access to shelter. And so this is now stressing them because they don't have, they say, enough shelter beds. And legal aid says we don't care. You have to provide it. That's what the law says. So now there is dissension among the Democrats. Now, I got to tell you, I am kind of concerned about the whole Cloward Piven aspect to this, right? That this is now going to break a lot of cities and states. It's breaking budgets and it's pitting, you know, you know, historical allies against each other over this stuff. And I'm wondering, Cloward Piven's idea, right, the, the, the sociologists, Cloward and Piven, if you just overload the system, it breaks, and then the people rise up, and then the wealthy aristocracy are like, all right, here, living wage for everybody, just don't burn our homes down. 